listening to Rally DNA, and this is episode two of season two. I'm Killian Cronin, and joined as ever by Jamie Erkel. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Killian. Hello, everyone. For many, the Impreta 555 is the archetypal Group A rally car. Indeed, the poster child for the World Rally Championship under its production-based rule set. Its association with Colin McRae is an integral part of this, of course, as it really is impossible to wholly divorce the Impreza from Britain's first world champion and all he achieved in his prime. Even now, getting on for 30 years on from the events in question, the Impreza 555 functions as a time warp, one with the power to transport you back to an era when Britain's relationship with rallying was at its most expansive and effusive, and when mud-spattered saltires hoisted by unapologetically partisan fans bordered every wooded bend of every stage. For many, it's all but impossible to see an Impreza 555 without also calling to mind images of McRae and Ringer spinning lurid victory donuts for, in front of an adoring crowd outside Chester Racecourse in the bleak, brooding light of a November afternoon. It's powerful stuff, nostalgia, but not infallible. Time and technology move marches forward in relentless fashion, and as much as you, I, and everyone else listening to this might wish otherwise, the mid-90s were now a long while ago. Long enough, indeed, for there to be room for a subtle improvement on the classic ProDrive 555 formula. Or so thought Carlo Baroli, founder of Best Engineering and Best Impreza, a company committed to producing a handful, and we really do mean a handful, of continuation cars, each a homage and tribute to the ultimate Group A Subaru, each the product of immense obsession and passion for both car and sport. Today, we're fortunate to have on the Rally DNA podcast, podcast someone with a first-hand experience of what promises, promises to be the best Impreza this side of L55BAT, Deputy Editor of Evo Magazine, Adam Towler. Adam, welcome to the podcast. So, would you be kind enough to start by giving us a little background information on the best Impreza concept? Am I correct in saying they're based on series McRae road cars? Um... Not quite. Um, I mean, essentially, yeah, that's, yeah, Carlo is, um, so Carlo, um, uh, like probably all of us, is a massive um, Subaru fan. Um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying that he um, owns a couple of, or yeah, a few X-Works Impreza's. Um, and uh, one of those is a genuine 555. So this is the car that we also got, I also got to drive in the story, which um, is L439BXP, um, which I think, I, I, when I looked it up, I think it actually ran under the reg plate L555GPA um, for a while in its, shall we say, postmodern um, mm -hmm. historic guise. Um, but yeah, uh, L439BXP. Um, and um, uh, so, yeah, so he has that car. Um, so the idea with this new car is um, with the imminent arrival, as I understand it, of, of Group A in historic rallying, um, I think he wanted to he wanted to make, as he calls it, a continuation car. So he wanted to take that car um, and build essentially another very low volume run of them uh, as close as possible to uh, the Group A homologation documents and everything else um but like all these continuation cars clearly they have to use um you know they, they have to use um some modern technology and actually to benefit from some modern technology to, to kind of make it faster as well yeah. um and then and that's juxtaposed with the, the the interesting question of how do you recreate that pro drive 555 correctly when as I'm sure you and, and your listeners would be well aware, you know, a lot of those bits are 
works factory parts made in extremely small numbers, what, over 30 years ago? So clearly you're, you can't get a lot of those things. Uh, and if you don't have something exactly the same or extremely similar, it's no longer a 555. Um, so yeah, just a bit where um, actually, uh, just to correct you slightly, they're not based on series McRae road cars. So um, I suppose much like the originals, uh, Carlo just takes a road car, a road Impreza. It so happens that that chassis number one, um, I believe was a very early WRX mm-hmm. STI of some description. But I know that for the forthcoming cars, because there's going to be eight in total, um, he is using, you know, kind of a um, sports, non-turbos, you know, that have had an easy life uh, and that he can get his hand on that don't cost too much and aren't rusted to oblivion. So it doesn't matter what you start with. It, uh, just like Prototype, I guess. Somebody, mm-hmm. I think they started, well, I think they started with various different things, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So- yeah, I mean, I suppose it makes sense given to, to, to look for, for how long, how far ahead of this we now are. It's these cars have lived one hell of a life over the last 30 years, invariably. So it does make a lot of sense to go for the ones that are going to be less thrashed, let's say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the process of it is is pretty exhaustive. And so you are ending up with a an as new car because I think it's 500 hours. He'll tell you, but there's, I'm sure it's 500 hours in terms of, metalwork which is it goes in an oven you know get rid of any corrosion and then then there's all the the work to the shell which obviously for a group a car was extensive um and then the paint and all that so you really do end up with a with a new car but it's an interesting point right because you mentioned about these cars are that old and 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 he says that about his one which is you know he does Valley legend and he does he was at not kill the other weekend with the l439 and I think it's not always the easiest of cars to run because it's old, right? And yeah. if you you know you look at the history of that car, and I think it was Piero Liati's Italian national car in '94, and it was run by a um, an Italian team with with backing from ProDrive, I think, um, as like an official, you know, kind of official entry, mm-hmm. semi-works, I guess you'd say entry. But when I looked down on um, EWRC. <laughs> <laughs> I did this before I drove it so <laughs> sort of uh, kind of really uh, made me stop and um, and just wonder because it, when you look at who else drove it it's not just Piero right it's it's uh, Bernsey did the Bettigan Memorial Rally Sprint mm-hmm. in it um, Mickey Piazion rallied it in period mm-hmm. Stig Blomqvist <laughs> rallied it in about well turn of the millennium or something in the UK in some uh, little like quite small national rally or something so that car has seen a, a lot of action mm-hmm. you know it's a warrior that thing and this is and, Carlo's own car yeah this is Carlo's own car L439 you know and, and which is great which is its history right but if you wanted to compete in it next year in the FIA historic rally championship you're asking an awful lot of a car that's already done an awful lot and of course I suppose the other thing is it's a big investment right these things have gone crazy and i don't know whether that's quite hit the group a cars yet in the way that it's hit the two liter world cars mm-hmm. which i mean as you know I mean, they've gone absolutely mental in price only compared with like three or four years ago as well you know which but i'm not sure that's quite well i'm pretty sure that quite hasn't happened with group a yet 
But even so, this is a genuine Xworks 505. And if you stack it, I mean, it's going to make you moderate your driving a little bit, isn't it? Yes. Whereas yeah. you know, if you start with a, a box fresh one, happy days. Mm-hmm. Although a box fresh one built to vanishingly small numbers. I mean, you say we're eight in total, one uh, for each McRae, well, seven for a McRae victory and then yes. the final one to commemorate the 95 title, if I'm correct. Yes, correct. So, um, come on, guys, I'm sure you know this. The, the first win would be what? Rally GB 94? 94, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and so, yeah, so then all the way through to every, uh, every Reese win. Reese 96? Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. So it's what it's two or three a year, I think. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you got three in '96 because that's quite an interesting yeah. one. As the car was quite old hat by then, and and it was still able to, to you know, bring a result. <laughs> yeah, exactly from it. Yeah, is that a David I Ringer? Remember that year. <laughs> I remember that year. Tommy, my word. Yeah. So yeah, so there's only eight. There's only eight, but um, you know, I suppose, I'm. Sh- who knows? Maybe Carlo is. We'll make some more, or maybe you won't. I don't know. You'll have to ask him that. Um, I guess it depends how these go down, but I think there's quite a bit of interest, so that seems very promising. You um, raised a point on the, the cost, Adam, of the cars as well, you know, and, and a very valid one, even you know, if you can afford to, to buy you know either car, that's only part of the cost as well, because you've got to look at like an original turbocharger as used by the works car now, must be probably 15 grand if you can find one what's a gearbox yeah. you know name your price so what's different in the continuation cares in terms of that like so you know are they using the same gearboxes presumably it's different you know or to, are there any measures taken to make these cars easier to run and live with to encourage you to do that as well yes absolutely um uh yes so the car the, the key elements i suppose if you looked at that car what would you say the key elements were i mean it's the work done to the shell that's really important isn't it and obviously it has that and i know that they um i mean he's got his own one to look at in in minute detail but i know he's looked at about three and examined them you know microscopically to, to kind of get that right and talk to engineers who were around at the time i think i think there's been quite a lot of research into that um then the engine, well, the engine is built by Auto Sportive um, in the UK, who, who obviously look after an, an awful lot of the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've built an engine from scratch, but as near as possible to how the original one is built. So with the um, milled out block and the, um, uh, the, 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 the kind of the, the, without the head gasket, so you and so it's always so fascinating doing projects like this and I love it because there's you know I'm learning stuff all the time and I, I didn't realize that so with those cars because they didn't have the head gasket um, so they were slightly narrower so those sort of bunch of banana type intake manifold that it has the boxer mm-hmm. that is a group a part of that manifold because mm-hmm. if you try and fit a normal manifold, you guys probably know this, but if you try and put a normal manifold on, it doesn't fit. It's completely too wide. Um, uh, and um, so that there are no more of those left, apparently. So they've auto sportive of, of, of kind of cut and then put back together a, a manifold so that it's the right fit and all, and all sorts of things like that. So, yeah, so that's the engine. I think another big thing is that six-speed dog box, isn't it? Because, again, you, you have to have that if you want the A car. Um, 
So, um, so yeah, so I think, um, you know, with a, pro with a process of, of, of looking at things and, and, and clever engineering, you know, they've come up with something which is, which is, um, you know, fit for purpose kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, as I say, you know, Carlo will be able to give you the, the kind of the precise details on that, but, but yeah, it does have that kind of the right sort of six speed dog box. Um, and, um, um, yeah, and, and what else? I mean, yeah, I suppose the where it differs is is uh, the electronics. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. So it has modern electronics, and I think in terms of running the car, I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, the ECU is completely different. This this time around, it's a modern ECU. Yeah, it's a completely yeah. modern ECU, um, and so so it it still has that um, uh, offbeat idle, you mm. know. The off kill well, to the thrum. Yeah, you know, kind of that, that weird thing like it's got a misfire. Uh, mm. it, it, um, but it's got a modern ECU, so I guess it, it could probably run very smoothly. But you know, yeah, it's oh, no, detail, right? It still has that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you wouldn't want to be running a gyms system in these days now, which is <laughs> you know, ninety-five spec gyms data logging would be just, I imagine, a nightmare. Um, how would you even connect to it? You know, what, what would you talk to it? Well, then, you know? yeah, I, I know it's, it's an interesting point. I think because uh, I, I, I believe, I believe we're in the territory of you know there being one laptop mm. and one laptop only with those originals. I mean, have you seen the guy that that there's video footage of the guys trying to uh, to map and work on a, a McLaren F1 GTR with a an MS DOS sort of, you know, <laughs> era laptop, yeah. and it's like, wow, I love that. It's absolutely incredible. I know, I, you know, I wouldn't want to do it every time if I owned a car, but I love the fact that it exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it, I think this is, this is something that's happening all through sort of motorsport and the historic motorsport now. You know, like, because I, I remember reading about um, the Sauber Mercedes Group C cars, and I'm sure it was the same thing with that. There, there, was, there was one laptop, and they couldn't run them without that laptop. And I think the ones that race now in historic Group C, I'm sure they're on Motec. They mm -hmm. all run on Motec. They don't run on the originals because you just can't. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, are you permitted a degree or anyone who's in the lucky position of being able to count it as buying one? Is there a degree of freedom in, in terms of the spec that you can have? Because I've noticed on the website that you can choose to have a 38 or a 34 mil restrictor which is quite an interesting throw man. yeah I'd be I, don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I think you'd all know what we do right yeah. <laughs> all right don't bother putting you, that in a box <laughs> no way fia <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i think I, I i yes quite i think there is a there is a there is a few options with seats um there you know there's an option there's options with the shell as well because there are there are actually three types of shell: tarmac, light gravel, and heavy duty gravel. Heavy duty gravel, I guess, being well, the safari, acropolis, that kind of stuff, maybe. Um, so yeah, so you, you it, it goes as far as that. You because they all have a slight weight difference as well. Obviously, you know, because one's a lot stronger. But um, so yeah, you can choose that, and then I think you choose your seats. I think there's a kit of spares as well, and there's there's various different bits, as you say, restrictors you know and so forth fantasy land really being in that position <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a playground and a half isn't it oh yeah absolutely 
And how did you guys come to to get this story going? And were you did you seek out Carlo when you heard about this, or, or how how did you approach tackling your story? Well, um, so it, it kind of came through auto sportive, really. Um, I'd seen I'd seen Carlo on um, uh, on things like Rally Legend, not in person, sadly, because I'd never been, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd seen Carlo on things like Valley Legend. Um, and then it, for us, it came through Auto Sportive, actually, because uh, a friend of mine um, called uh, Steve Rockingham um, is kind of very well known, really, for demonstrating historic impresses and things, a good word and all sorts mm-hmm. of events. He's a, he's a huge and very passionate sort of rally enthusiast. Um, he also had an ex-McRae focus, which he demonstrated at the Goodwood Festival Speed for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. So, um, and and they look after his impressors. So I got to know Autosportive through that, and I've done stories with those cars before. And it's like all these things, really, in in this branch of journalism. It's it's all just about contacts and relationship building, really. And so when this project came about, um, one of the guys that worked at Autosportive just sort of said, "Look, do you want to speak to Carlo because he's doing something? We're involved with it, and he's doing something really interesting. And I think you know, I think you might get an article out of it." Do you want me to put me in touch and just goes from there, really? Incredible stuff. I mean, it, it strikes me as the kind of project that perhaps could only exist in its current form in Italy, which might sound odd given that uh, it's, you know, the pro no, drive. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't want to. I do get it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to fall back on the old cliches of, you know, Italian automotive passion and such. But I don't know, I guess you need someone with like with, with Carlo's driving force and everything else to sort of get the, the programme off the ground, especially if there's such a small number that are going to be built, at least at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think there are two things really interesting about about the Italian connection to it. One, you're, you're absolutely right, Jamie, you know, and Carlo has that real genuine passion Um Probably like a lot of us, you know, he was out there spectating. And I know a lot of the, the start point for him was being on San Remo and, and Monte Carlo in the early to mid 90s and just standing by the stage. And, you know, he, he's um, he's such an interesting character. He's really he's a great guy. And his, his family history goes right back in, in cars. His granddad raced Enzo Ferrari in, in pre-war Grand Prix cars. So, I mean, he, he really has that. His dad was a, a Formula One photographer for a while. Um, and like he says, you know, he, his passion really was, it was Lancia, it was Lancia, Lancia, Lancia. And it's like, yes, you would be, wouldn't you, really? You know, yeah, you'd have a choice, the You know, and all of that. But then, you know, first time he saw a Subaru, I think it just, I think it just blew, blew a fuse. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it just, I think it just made such an impression on him, the sound and the, and, and of course, at that point, the Delta was on its last legs, wasn't it, really? Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, so it was the new thing, you know, and, and, and he's carried that through. So, yeah, he, he, you know, he has that, he has, he has that passion. But also, I think one thing that's worth mentioning is that there's this, this huge scene now of, of resto mods and yeah. um, new coach building of cars. And so much of it is happening in Italy. And that, yeah. I guess, shouldn't be a surprise because it always did, didn't it? For, for decades yeah. and decades, you know. But it has, that's been something that's been quite dormant, I think, for a very, very long time. But now we're in this era where, increasingly it is about the resto mods even compared with new high performance cars and, and the kind of traditional things that people with a lot of money would have spent on expensive cars you know um, and that was going to be my next point you know because that's maybe what's so exciting about this project is that it feels like it could be the start of more like this because as you rightly pointed out like most of the, the breaking kind of exciting stories in the motoring world over the last 
two or three years are resto mods or continuation cars. I mean, you know, you can't open a, a car magazine now without there being at least one article about something. You know, you've the GTO engineering guys, you know, you had those those E-types, continuation re types and the Eagle ones <clears throat> and the Redox E30, you know. So it feels like this is now the next logical step as well, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Particularly, you know, it's the timings right for the Group A cars. A lot of the experience and knowledge is still there as well. You know, you can talk to guys that built them in period. So, you know, it's not overly difficult to go and seek out the information you know um and it just feels like yeah this is this is what's next really so there could be fingers crossed more more like it i think so i think so i think it's it's all happening in that little corner of italy as well isn't it because you've got um you know around turin and milan you've got all these um, obviously you've got the famous names the famous big car companies but you've got a lot of smaller engineering com companies as well um yeah. You know, you've got the people. I mean, there's there's someone doing a resto mod Testarossa. There's the Chimera 037, which is mm. still haven't driven that, but absolutely need yeah. to drive that ASAP. Um, you know, there's the Lara. There's um, there's the the people. Um, the, the name slips my mind, but the people that have done the um, uh, the, the Stratos, the, the modern day Stratos. Mm. Um, uh, phenomenon. Or did it change uh, names? It was it originally phenomenon. It, I know what you mean, but this is that they're called something, something Torino, something. They're they're, they're yeah. just outside Turin, and they're they're, not, they're MAT. That's it. They're yes. called MAT. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got that. I mean, you've got um, um, uh, um, uh, what's the Integrale? You've got that Integrale as well, haven't you? The two door. Yes, the two door one. Oh, door, yeah. the company name. The, the, the man behind it is Amos, isn't it? Eugenio mm. Amos. I think his name is. Mm. I can't think of the company. Yeah, but you've got that. You've got these really, really exciting, kind of imaginative, interesting product projects and products using cars that we all love, but but taking them and doing new things and modernizing them, but but taking them down a different path. And I think it's fascinating. I think it's a really interesting time. I think you're right in as much as it seems also that this period in time is is what precipitated purely because if you've got the financial means to consider having one of these resto mods built, be it a, an E30 or anything really, you're, you're going to be aware that you could pretty much afford something off the peg, but with the, the looming demise of internal combustion and the knowledge that there's nothing, there's not going to be anything truly transformative ahead, you may as well have something built to you for your passion that if you're so inclined and like 90s rally cars that fits you to the T. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The possibilities are almost endless, really. All right, for some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think one of the things I like best about the website, if nothing else, the fact that you can tell Carlo's passion for the fact there is, an, there's a bit called the Boxer Sound Experience that plays <laughs> whether or not you like it and it automatically plays a donut, uh, the in-car audio, and I think stage side as well. It's like, yeah, that's how you know they're on our on our wavelength. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? It's just so so good. But yeah, it's. I, I'm always. I, I mean, I love this car, and I love the original as well. And for me, it's always been and always will be, as I wrote in the story. Actually, you know, it, it is the rallying super. It is what I think of. Mm -hmm. And I know that, well, I, it always feels like that's actually a very niche viewpoint because everybody goes mad for the world cars and, and the computer games are with the world cars. 
the, the Colin McRae games. And, 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 and so, you know, I think it's always, it's like being in a bit of a sort of a minority club, but this is, for me, this is the car. This is absolutely the car, you know, and, and you always have to explain to people like, this is the one that makes the noise. This is the, this yeah. is the proper noise. This is, you know, it's important. You know, mm. <laughs> obviously that really comes across with Carlo, you know. I think it's it looks so demure as well, and always did uh, did do for even a Group A car. You know, it, it, I know there's a there's no shortage of three box saloon Group A rally cars with wings, but it, even in its pucker tarmac guys, it looks great, but it's not a particularly aggressive or arresting looking thing. You know, no, and, and that perhaps not at all. No, right. You know, it's uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, was, I was just going to say that's it's I, for me that's part of the appeal. Thanks. I really think it is yeah. because because. It just looks so good. And the reason it looks so good is, I, th- I think, personally, is you look at it and, and you think, oh, yeah, it could be a Turbo 2000. It, it, it could be a Turbo 2000. It's not. <laughs> and then the more you look in the details, you realise it. And, it, and it's got the, the overused word stance, isn't it? But it, mm. it on, in tarmac spec, it has the best stance, of, mm. for me, of any car. There's something about the ratio of the 18-inch tarmac rim with the size of the body the rider every, everything is just so perfect yeah and yet and yet it's not sort of shouting about it there's something I, I think well is that a sort of a group a thing i don't know i suppose some of them were quite wild weren't they really to look at but escort cosworths were hardly um they weren't exactly um, shrinking violets were they but but i do think you know I, I put that in the story again sorry to sort of say that again but one of the things i've, I've, I've said in the story was if you're if you're used to modern WRC cars, you, you know it looks so innocent. Mm. It, it really does look so innocent. There are no massive intakes, splitters, wings, box arches. There's none of that. Mm. It, it, and yet, the, the moment you fire it up, yeah, it's it even it's much more of an animal. I mean, <laughs> you know what they're like. It's just crazy. I I, I mean. Wow, the, the fumes yeah. from it alone are enough to actually. At one point, I had to go and sit down. I was, I <laughs> honestly, honestly, my eyes were stinging, and like my throat was burning, and oh, it's, it's 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 such a visceral machine, isn't it? It's it's alive. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's alive. Mm. And and so was this the first time that you'd driven a Group A Impreza? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> So did it, you know, what, what was your, okay, you know, it's clear that you were quite passionate about that car, you know, could you have been any bit prepared for what it delivered in the end? You know, did, did it absolutely live up to the hype for you then? Oh, sorry, which, I should say, which one did you drive first? Out of the I drove two the old one there? first. Hmm. I drove yeah. the original first, yeah. Um, yes, it did. It did live up to everything. Was it like I thought it would be? Yes, yes, I, th- I think it was really. I think... So one thing I was a little bit, um, not nervous, but had a little bit of trepidation over was the gearbox in the, the, the dog box. And I just, oh, I really, I, you know, I really don't want to mess that up and be missing shifts. And, you know, is it going to be awkward? Is it going to need any kind of special treatment? Uh, you know, so I actually, I, I was quite, sort of the night before I was sort of, you know, lying there in the hotel room going through it all in my mind and just thinking well, I really need to get that right because that's going to be quite tricky um but the rest of it um yeah I I, I suppose I suppose it, it was what I thought it was which is um very raw completely uncompromising extremely precise in everything it did 
Um, so by that token, you have to be incredibly precise with everything that you do because it echoes really mirror-like the input that you've asked. So if you ask for the wrong thing, you get the wrong thing, and there's no slack in between fuzziness or forgivingness there. You, you have to, you know, you have to drive it. Very binary. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, in in a way that you would expect from a competition car. I think I think that's a sort of a constant with a, with a competition car of all of all ilk. Um, it was um, it was fast. Obviously, it's not um, you know blow your mind fast because it weighs what, 12, 30 kilos and it has somewhere out just over 350 um, brake horsepower. So it's fast. It's not, oh my God, fast, but it's, um, the gearing is so short that it makes it, it seems a lot faster than, than I suppose it is. It feels very, very potent. And then obviously you switch the anti-lag on and you have this incredible response. So as I would say the overall feeling, certainly in terms of its performance, is that it's, it feels a lot quicker than it looks like it will be on paper mm-hmm. um, and of course then when you add in that you're driving it on something that is a fair representation i mean i i, I for some reason in my mind i thought it, i thought when he said oh I've, I've closed the road with the police it's you know I, in my mind i was sort of picturing monte carlo the stage one of the sort of quicker stages on monte carlo but it was like one of the small stages on the tour de course it was really tight and twisty and quite you know, there were lots of places where you could get it really wrong and, and regret the fact that you had. And I think if, if you said drive up and down there as quickly as possible in a hot hatch, you'd really be concentrating because it was really, you know, demanding. So, because when you add, add that into the mix, then, then that makes it seem faster as well because the walls are really, really close and there are drops and there are no room. And there's just no room for error, that, I suppose. That's the thing, isn't it? There's just no, there's just no room to sort of go slightly wide. And you're, put, and you're in someone else's car and you're trying to put heat in the tires and heat in the brakes yeah, <laughs> and yeah. living a childhood dream all at once. You're trying to do the whole thing, aren't you? And, and, it, and, it's, and it, it's also, I suppose it's not like going out onto a circuit with a, with a really valuable, really powerful competition car, which can also be really intimidating, obviously. But, but on that, you build up to it. Whereas on this, you're at the start line, our friendly local policeman waves his arm and you're off and you're in the stage. And, and so you, you, you have to kind of go for it. You don't get to kind of, oh, this is nice. This is pleasant warm up. Yes, that's how the brakes are. It's, I'm at the first corner. Oh, okay, mm. right. You know, so it is, a, it is different in that sense. Um, it, was, it was louder than I thought it was. I'll tell you what, it was, what was interesting about it. It was, it was in one sense, um, uh, in one sense, quite easy to drive um and but well let me put it this way in one sense it required being the master of it so you had to really kind of you had you had to be in control of it 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 wasn't heavy to drive and it didn't require lots of muscle power as such but you had to be really definite with every input you know and i i didn't really appreciate this fully i'd heard it before but the team said when you've got anti-lag on you have to be on or off don't, don't don't be feathering it. <laughs> don't be feathering the throttle because the turbo will catch fire and melt. You know, so you you either have to be full on it or not. And of course, so going back to what I said just now, that you, you can't be pottering around the stage, kind of getting a feel for the car because you have to be 
all on it or not. Um, so it was this it was this mix actually of having to really boss it and and insist that you're in control of it, but at the same time actually being very delicate and precise. And that's kind of quite an unusual combination of two quite disparate kind of qualities, really. So I think yeah, I felt that to get the best out of it, obviously I would have needed a, a lot more time, but to even approach being able to kind of say, well, I'm starting to make it really work now. But I think being able to fuse those two different qualities is would be really key. And so you've gotten out of that care then, presumably you're 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 approaching the, the new care, as it were. Well, yes. Take, take the number plates off it, you know, don't look at what it says on the bulkhead. What makes it different when you look at it? What's, what makes it stand out from the old care? Can you? Is it that? Um, ask a question. I mean, well, first of all, I should just say uh, I needed about 20 minutes to calm down. After <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget also that before I drove it on the stage, I sat next to Piero Liati driving it. Mm. What a so, guy. So by the time I'd driven it and got in, I had to just go and sit down somewhere and, and just try and cool off and calm down because I was, you know, I was all over <laughs> My brain had melted. I couldn't believe this was happening. You know, uh, I, it was so, it's just one of those things. I said this to Carlo. He knows, he knows it, but you know, in this job, I'm very lucky to sometimes do really exceptional things like that. But when, when you actually reflect on it and that you're driving that car on a stage closed by the police, with Piero Liati, it's a five-five-five, and then and then the notes that Piero was working from were by Fabrizia Pond. She she'd done some notes for us, oh. and, and I had I had a I had, I had a message from her with the notes on it, and I was looking at it, just going, really, Fabrizia Pond has provided me with some post notes. <laughs> What's going on here? What's going on here? You know, it just blows your mind. I just it's just extraordinary. So yeah, so I did. So I needed a good, like, uh, good lay down for about twenty minutes, uh, and then obviously there was a, a long lunch lesson. Boozy Italian lunch. <laughs> no booze, but, but a lovely bit of pasta, and, and you know, I mean this. I mean this in the nicest possible way. But you know, we're all sort of going, "Come on, come on, let's go, yeah. let's get on." We've got a photo shoot. We've got a photo shoot. But no, but no, we've got to stop for the lunch, uh, which was very lovely. I must say, very tasty. Um, but yeah, so then and then it was into the into the new car, um, and I drove that one first. So Piero had the grim, um, the grim job of sitting next to me, um, and um, and yeah, uh, to be well, to be honest, you know, it, it, it's it's a bit cleaner to look at. It's got, you know, it's um, it had less graphics on it, so it doesn't have the bananas on the side, um, and it's got the best logos, which are. Which is sort of um, in in the style, and it's got some of the sponsors that the original had. So it does look a little bit different, but it's got the same wheels because Speedline has started making those wheels again, which mm -hmm. makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So it's got those gorgeous SL two one thirteen C. I know that I'm going to get the wrong. Mm -hmm. Someone's gonna, I have uh, it here somewhere. Yeah. Message I, I, I used to do yeah. PR for Speedline, so really, I have no excuse. But yeah, so that's a bit. It does look different inside. So it, inside, it's got sort of more modern screens and modern switch gear and things. But done in the style that it you don't. It doesn't jar. You don't look at it and go, "Oh, it's a modern, it's a modern rally car." 
very cleverly done in that it still looks quite 90-ish, but it's obviously there's some new tech going on and all that sort of thing as well. So, so yeah, very similar, sounds the same, smells the same, equally um, toxic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, crucial. Crucial. Uh, and, and yeah, really, it, it looks the same. It looks, mm-hmm. But it doesn't drive the same. Wonderful stuff. Have we have, have we, has the the thorny subject of price been broached yet? Yeah, so I, I can tell you what, what it is in the UK. Um, doing the conversion, it's uh, three hundred and seventy thousand pounds plus the, uh, including. You'll be relieved to hear, including VAT. The one then. <laughs> is that including um, the donor care? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Supply yeah, your own one point six GL. Uh, that you've yeah, done for nine hundred quid on Auto Trader, um, I yeah. It. I love it if he added that to the invoice. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, think, I think if that was the case, I think I'd have to keep the the NA car with the of the weird long nose bonnet as well, just for extra five 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 and to pervert points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and trailering trailering to the workshop charge as well. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I do think it's all it is all included, which um, makes that P twenty five. Well, that's quite a bargain next to that P25, isn't it? Maybe. I know which I'd rather have. And yeah. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, quite. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, uh, you see um, any more of a re- return to driving that now in the future, Adam? Or will you be, will you be pestering him now to go back and drive it again when there's, when there's like an unveiling for a customer somewhere? Oh, I would. I would. I would love to drive it again because, um, I mean, uh, I should say, although you may be about to ask me and I'm jumping the gun, but the, the, the McRae edition, it does drive differently. I mean, it's clearly the same car. I actually found that quite difficult because it's so similar and it is the same car. Mm-hmm. So your brain is, when you get out of one, you get into the next and your brain is telling you this is the same car because mm-hmm. it's not the same car. So. I think you know the response to the brake is slightly different. Ever slightly different. The first few millimeters of pedal travel are slightly different, and mm-hmm. and the response to the engine is slightly different. So you go to heel and toe, and it's your your brain is telling you, "Well, I'm sat in this car, and it looks exactly the same as the last one, and I know it's the same as the last one." But suddenly now, that doesn't quite work because everything needs to be weighted and needs to be approached ever so slightly differently. Mm-hmm. So that was actually one of the hardest things. I know it sounds ridiculous to say it. And, People listening might think it's a bit odd, but it, it was. It was that was one of the hardest things to get my head around was that they were so similar, but crucially slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing, one of the things I don't think I mentioned before, one of the sort of modernization bits is the suspension. So it it, it runs three-way adjustable riders, the new car. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, Bilstein's in period, wasn't it? Yes, yes Bilstein's <clears throat> in period. And when you drive the two cars, the biggest difference is the way they ride. And it seems to some people maybe a bit silly talking about ride quality. You know, it's not a limousine. What are we talking about ride quality for? Rally car. But you know, the original gives you an incredible confidence, inspiring feeling. And it's, um, you know, it has a beautiful poise on the road. And of course, and the way it handles and everything that you'd expect of a works group A car is, is incredible. But you get into the new one and it literally glides down the road. It, it it doesn't notice things. It just goes straight, you know, ruts, bumps, potholes, just goes straight over the top. It's like they're not there. 
And I think a really big percentage of that car's extra performance over the original is, is the suspension, undoubtedly. Um, and, you know, those are just my, um, my thoughts. But, but Piero, well, when he drove it, because I got out and then he drove it, and, um, yeah, I mean, he, was, <laughs> he was completely blown away by it. He was, he was properly excited. Because it's the suspension, um, it's the fact that the car is obviously so much newer and fresher and tighter and together. Um, and, and also the engine picks up a lot quicker. It just picks up a lot quicker. It's, it's just got more response at, at a wider band of revs. Um, whereas the original, it definitely had that kind of, I think, I think, oh, you know, now I'm in the band that I like to work and I'm off. But the, but the new car is is really flexible and punches equally as hard, but 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 a lot earlier. Um, and when you so when you put all those things together, I mean, Piero reckoned it was over two seconds a kilometer quicker than the original. He couldn't believe it. We got to the end of the stage. He pulled the bar, did a beautiful handbrake turn as you'd expect, and we just sat there laughing. I mean, he, he was he was blown away by it. And honestly most of the corners he was a gear higher than the new car that's how much quicker we were going uh, it was one of those things where i sat there and we were filming it for a, uh, for a you know film that's going to go on the evo youtube channel and i and there were points where i thought well i should be saying something now really because you do this what you do don't you I'm trying to add something and i was just sat there i was like, i'm not going to say anything i'm just going to enjoy this and i just sat and it was you know you, you went through one corner and i was sort of thinking that's fast Next one. Yeah, that's fast. Ooh, <laughs> that's fast. Oh, yeah, that's fast. That's fast. Oh, that's really fast. You know, it was just so good. Honestly, it could have lasted, it could have lasted for hours and it wouldn't have been long enough. It was just awesome. Absolutely awesome. What was um, Piero's instruction like? Because I gather his English is, is a little rough around the edges and I can imagine his, his enthusiasm was was potent so I can, I can imagine the sort of the meeting ground between these two things must have been interesting yeah i i think i think he, it's he's one of one of those guys in the very nicest possible way and i'm sure he won't not mind me saying i think his english is a bit better than sometimes it appears or even he portrays when we did a formal interview with him he was he was with a, an interpreter we used carlo to interpret which was a bit tricky because sometimes you lose that you lose the personality sometimes it's hard it's hard with an interview to, to do that but actually when you chat to him you, you can have a you know you can have a his english is is, is pretty good and uh, massively better than my italian so you know kudos points definitely there um his instruction was was forthright um it was no messing uh, time to go he, he was just like right come on we go we go okay let's go um uh yeah he was he was there was one bit so when i drove the the newer car um there was one bit towards the end where uh, i had it in the most aggressive diff set diff setting because you've got uh you've got one you've effectively got sort of off and then you've got one and two and one is wet or slippery roads um, and then two is for dry tarmac stages. But then, and then among, and then you've got two separate controls for adjusting the front and the centre diff. Mm -hmm. 
beyond that. So you've got kind of like those master controls and then you've got these other controls and then the rear diff is uh, spooled, is locked. Um, and I had it in the most aggressive diff setting. And we came through these, this really narrow twisty seat with the wall there and the arm code was on the inside and then like a vertical drop. So it's one of those ones where it comes in and the arm code sort of comes right into your sight line and, and then go, disappears again. We went through this and I must admit by now I was getting very hot and, and kind of almost needed to sort of pause a little bit and, and, and consider what was going on because it was harder to drive in a way. That's something I have to say. It was harder to drive in some ways than the old car purely because it was so much faster. Mm. So it was a little bit lighter, all the controls. It was a bit more delicate. It was a bit more responsive. It was hyper, hyper responsive to the control. And so the car was really like super agile. But, but you know, as someone sort of new to it, actually, that in some ways that made it harder. Whereas the old car was a bit more, you knew what, where it was and you had that build up of the weight a bit more. And, and for a, a novice, it was actually, in some ways, almost a bit easier. A bit more and it was so to hide. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so oh i'm off boost oh well yeah <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> that corner wasn't quite right anyway so yeah um but in the new one there was none of that you know it was just go 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 bang 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 and uh went to these sort of things and it, and it i locked it a lot front and it was a it was a 90 right with a cliff brace right in front of us and i managed to unlock them but i could see it wasn't gonna go around cleanly and i didn't want to chance it so just came to a stop put it in reverse went on again and uh was <laughs> just a comment he, he sort of just looked at me and sort of uh gave us sort of a half smile and, and just said uh, um yeah i think we put it in the one <laughs> to, to, back to the novice uh, wet rose setting uh and, and it, yeah it was sort of a uh, not, i wouldn't say crushing but you know i was i was like Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Uh, but he was a, he was a good he was a good sport. He was a really good guy. He was very very good, very good. And as to your origins and interest in these cars, but you stood stage side back in ninety four ninety five, like we were as well. You know, watching them. Um, you know what? I wish I had been, but that was just slightly too too early for me so i think my first rac was 98 mm -hmm. yeah my yeah colin's last subaru rally right mm -hmm. yeah 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 so that was that was the first time i actually spectated um and that blew me away i loved every second of it never been the same again since to be honest um but so no before that it was Unfortunately, uh, just you know, from the sidelines. So it would be BBC Grandstand uh, Rally Report. Um, Tony you know, Mason, the, job uh, done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> propaganda by Jewel. Um, that that <laughs> is just you know, I hear the first couple of bars of that music, and it just I'm sure, like so many of us, it just takes me right back to sitting on the sofa at home, probably having a Sunday evening tea or something, watching William Woolard. I mean, it was it was amazing. I, ne I never got to see any of the other rallies in the championship because I don't ever remember them being televised. Um, you know, when I was a, a real kid in the sort of in the 80s, 
Um, so it was it was literally just you know Lombard RAC Valley Report, and and it was to me it was the it was the coolest thing imaginable. And and then as I got a little bit older, um, you know it, perhaps in the late eighties, um, I started buying Autosport, bought Autosport every week religiously, um, and just couldn't get enough of motorsport in general. Um, I just read those Autosports back to back. Cover to cover, I, 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 almost, I could almost memorize passages of it. It's so weird, I know, but I just, I don't know what it was. It just, I just, I just loved it. I just, had, it was just this huge passion for me and always has been, and um, all, all sorts of motorsport, um, but including rallying. So, so yeah, so the group, the group A years for me were reading all the reports in uh, autosport and watching the, you know, the Lombard coverage um, every, um, every winter on the telly. Spurred on by that boxer sound, no doubt of that that group A. Well, yeah, there. it was. It was. So I mean, I, when I really started, to, I really started to get into it in 1988. That's that's when it kind of. I don't remember that much before it, before that of rallying too much. I don't really. Re, I don't remember watching Group B, unfortunately, mm. on the telly, and I would have been very young then. Um, but I do remember um, 88. So. Um, is that an eight valve integrale or is that pre integrale? That's eight oh, valve bit is there, yeah. Yeah, so so is that it's ST165, um, and of course it's three door Sierra Cosworths. Um, in you know, it's Jimmy McRae and the Cosworth yeah. winning the British title, I think. Uh, yeah, he did win no, Dyla yes. Llewellyn, yes. Llewellyn in the ST165. Five secure core. That's such a cool car. It's yeah. you know, it, it, it that that is where I. That's my entry point to it all. Yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, big fan of Malcolm Wilson, Sapphires, Sapphire Cosworths, um, sixteen valve integrales, the red one, the, <laughs> the San Remo one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, come on. Uh, SD185, uh, I mean, what an amazing car. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously Legacy, um, not so much the, the world legacies. It was all about the British Championship, really, for me, you know, with Rothman's McRae. Because I think really that's when it, watching that, and that was, yeah, something else. And just the, exci the excitement around him. I think, I think it was excitement around Colin and Colin... Um, then taking part in the RSC at the end of the year. And when he started to do really well, the first time that was in a Sapphire, wasn't it? 1990? And, yeah, and he was doing really the, well and then totaled it. That's the gate hinge uh, year, yeah. I believe, isn't it? The, uh, yeah. the, the exterior door lock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember the raw excitement of thinking he was a Brit who could actually maybe win because up until that point i was too young for tony pond wish i hadn't been because he's he was, sounds like the coolest dude of all time and i can't read enough or watch enough of tony pond um you know there were obviously malcolm wilson and i was always uh, you know like desperately wanted malcolm to to kind of get to, to really get there and, and win but you know it was about those those larger than life Finnish drivers and European drivers, you know, there's Juha Kankanen and Marco Allen, and they all seemed so unbeatable. You know, they were just so impressive. It's so amazing. And surely no one could possibly, 
um, compete against. Them. Obviously, there was Carlos um, and Didier, but again, you know, they had that kind of that foreign flair, and somehow they seemed so. To me, I guess, as a, as a, as a, as a British kid growing up at that time, they just seemed like these kind of you know superheroes, and it just didn't seem like a British driver could really do that. But then Colin came along and had this outrageous speed and this flamboyance, and that was so exciting, so exciting. I think that's one of those things that, that perhaps is easy to miss for people. Obviously, when I was growing up, first I go into watching rallies, Colin was an established part of the furniture, you know, 96 onwards. But you're still aware of it being quite a big deal that a Brit was able to do this, or at least someone who wasn't Scandinavian was able to do this. And, and now, because an entire generation has come, become aware of, two generations probably, has become aware of Colin McRae and his exploits, long after he retired, perhaps that sort of seems as almost a given that, you know, this prodigal talent exploded and suddenly here we are, world champion, all the success, job done. You know, yeah. it, it yeah. was hard one and didn't seem likely for a long time, for most of 95. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. And, and obviously we had Burnsy afterwards, didn't we? So it, it went from it went from sort of one extreme to the other, didn't it? Buses and, analogy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and such a special time it, it was, of course. Um, but yeah, so that, that you know, for me, that, that's Group A. That's sort of how I've got into it. And I suppose if you're a youngster in that era, you, you just grew up with things like Cosworth being the coolest cars, of being the car that everybody wanted, aspired to, whether that was legally or not. <laughs> and uh and 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 therefore when you saw them competing that that's the beauty of group a right isn't it i mean Mm. that that's i i really i'm not see i'm not um i'm not so blinkered to it that i'm not a realist to understand why we don't have that and haven't had something like group a for a long time i mean i get all those big automotive industry arguments mm-hmm. I, I totally do but i you can't tell me that it's not really cool to have high performance cars that people can buy and then look, watch competing and they look really similar i just think that's group a was like the ultimate personification of the race on sunday sell on monday thing really wasn't it you know mm-hmm. um and probably no better than like you know the Impreza itself to go back to it. You know that was you know for the brand like that's that's what everyone associated with that brand. You know other brands had plenty you know motorsport pedigree. You know pick any other brand, but like you know Subaru became rallying in a way. It's the like case study. Becker. It's the case study of how to reinvent your brand, isn't it? I mean, I think the only other comparable one would be Audi, which we all forget about now because the last 40, 50 years of, of Audi's become the de facto power, motorsport powerhouse, but. You know, winding back to the early 80s, it was nowhere. And, and Subaru being the other instance, you know. Well, it's a, it's a oft-repeated, far too many times repeated cliche, isn't it? But they always say, you know, only farmers drove Subaru before the rally. Mm-hmm. And then they went to being this, you know, this incredible brand. And I think that's why, probably, well, for me, and I imagine so many people, that's why it hurts so much when they abandoned it especially in the UK. I know in other countries it's been different, especially America, and I, I get that. But in the UK, the way they just completely washed their hands of it really hurt, you know, it really, it, it, as an enthusiast, that really 
that was gutting, to be honest. Really well, was. STI doesn't even exist anymore, does not. It's just, uh, you know, fancy badges and trim. No, there's no STI performance catalogue anymore. You know, and the WRX in the States currently has a CBT gearbox. So. Oh. Yeah, that, that really is unacceptable. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. We've come a long, long way from a period when a car could it literally be named after a cigarette. And that was, that was considered absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the world. I mean, the world has changed, hasn't it? And, and of course it has quite, maybe there will be one day a EV, a Subaru EV high performance with an STI badge again. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't have that information. It would seem crazy that it doesn't. But I, I don't know. Let's be honest. Subaru are a complete enigma. They are, as a company, they are enigma. It's part of their great appeal, I think. It's part of why people love them, why people are obsessed with them, obsessed with the cars. Because I think a bit like Mazda as well, they don't seem to follow the same rules as everyone else. They just do things that sometimes, I mean, I heard the other day Mazda have launched a big three point something litre V6 diesel, turbo diesel engine. In 2022. <laughs> Who'd have told you? <laughs> exactly. But great stuff, lads. You know, yeah, why not? You know, you have to have started. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, and, and, and um, you know, they're still maybe doing this stuff with the Wankel rotary, um, with hybrids and all sorts, mm. and they still make a two-seat sports car that weighs nearly just a tonne. And all the stuff which, let's be honest, all those big, huge uh, automotive corporate groups tell us, nah, I can't do that, it's too expensive. Can't do that. No need. No, no one's interested. No buyers for that. I mean, it's like the thing with Toyota, isn't it? Look at what they've done. You know, many other manufacturers just said, oh, four-wheel drive turbocharged homligation car. Didn't possibly do that. No one's interested in those. There's no market for it. No, no one will buy it. You know, so I think that's why we love them, isn't it? Because they just, they just do things. You know? That's made all the cooler for me for the fact that that the way history's panned out, of course, the rally car is no longer based on the supposed homologation <laughs> one anyway. I mean, that's that's, that's, you know, that's going to render it even better. Oh, <laughs> I, know. I know, but I mean, that you know, they're not, they're not giving up, are they? I mean, they could. I saw this great advert recently where it had the it had the, the Yaris, at the Supra, and it had the G, the new GR eighty six, and I Good thought, hats oh, off to you, lads. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Who else is doing vaguely affordable performance cars like that? Yeah. No one. And that GR, uh, the new GR86 sold out its entire yeah. allocation for right-hand drive in like an hour or something. I know. It's a shame because there's not many of them. Which is part of no, the only a few hundred, isn't it? Very or, low numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a shame. But I know there are there are reasons for that. Um, but, I'm, you know, off topic, I know. But I think... This this three uh, manual Supra, I think, is really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think this could be the car that it should have been all along. And there's a, there's other changes as well. And I think teaming that engine with a manual box could be awesome. But anyway, that's not proof pay, is it? But yeah. <laughs> well, well um, we are conscious that you're 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 we're, we're, we're running out of time for you, so um, we might try and bring oh, it to don't a worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can talk about group. You know, it's, it's important, you know, to talk about different leg, legacy RS uh, colour schemes, liveries and, and all this sort of stuff. It's, um, you know, it, it brings back, yeah, you, you raised a valid point that you, when you think of a legacy rally car, you don't think of a world car. And I, I'm actually very much the same. I immediately think of 
well, either Kenny McKinstry's one or that LNX sponsored Liberty's yes. Legacy. Um, or the Pear Upland Yellow oh, Camel yes. sponsored. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, but so no, the, the, works, the works pink affair is the best because it's so horrible. I've said it before. It's the, <laughs> the 90s away goalie kit of, of, of rally yes. car. And, and I love it for that. That's so good. But this is the thing, again, that just ties back into what we were saying, isn't it? I mean, look at this Subaru. I know, we'll have a performance division. Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's have it pink. It'll be the colour pink. Why not? And then the car is going to be it's gonna be white and it's going to have some green on it and yeah. pink on it. And virtually no other logo, sponsors, graphics. Yeah. That's it. What do you reckon, guys? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yes. It's just so good, isn't it? It's so um, natural and unforced. And, and I, I love that. You know, there's a lot to be said for corporate colours on, on uh, well, Look at the sunny. That looked quite corporate, wasn't it? This mm. and motorcycle colours. <laughs> There's a sunny sticker on the laptop. I'm recording this now with those colours on it. So, yeah, <laughs> it's overheating, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I said I was I was going to try and work that into the to the intro. And we were saying, "Gosh, it's so hot here," and I was I was going to say. Yeah, it's <laughs> At least obviously like the underbonnet temperatures of a sunny GTIR. Yeah, I, I too have uh, located my, my internal intercooler hasn't been located to the right place. Uh, Top yeah. Now that is, a, that is a niche gag. That is a proper niche gag, isn't it? If you did that and you know in normal company, you're going to look really stupid. Oh, yeah. Weird. Correctly homologated pun work. Top top work. <laughs> It's the comedy of tomorrow, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be on live at the Apollo soon enough. Uh, there'll, be no one, there'll be no one else there, but, you know. No, uh, no, I know. Just a few of us, uh, yeah, just standing yeah. around, discussing these things. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, I think, yeah, we all love Group A, don't we? It just gave, I think it just, it just gave us not only these amazing rally cars, but it did just give us these amazing, these brilliant road cars, which um, are now increasingly some of the most collectible cars, road cars out there. Um, and um, I'm sure many of us reflect bitterly on how we missed that particular. Um, particular have you bought track. yours yet? Because last time we spoke, you said you were on the verge of buying one your own. Have you, have you pulled the trigger? <laughs> I, I, I don't think I can even begin to tell you the deal I was offered about 10 years ago for, I, I just, I just, it makes me sick it just makes me physically sick when you look at what they cost now and i honestly i could have bought two really special early compressor road cars and loads of spare parts for like four or five grand and and i mean now that's like 30 40 grand isn't it easy and probably only going up from here so um yeah i haven't i haven't bought one and um and I'm still upset about that, basically. <laughs> Up, upset of either. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Mr. Upset about that. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel I may have missed the boat because there you go. But you never know, do you? Maybe one day. Right, so leakers are still cheap. I can attest. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, exactly. You've got the you've got the cheater. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. When talking to that, we're talking, you know, we're being all sort of super pro group A here and, and rightly so. But just as a different perspective, I remember interviewing John Wheeler of Ford fame about group A. And he basically 
and this is why I mentioned that, Jamie, <laughs> become clear in a minute, uh, because he basically went, Ugh, yeah, mm, well, that was the cheetah's formula, wasn't it? He, he had a totally different look on it, because he certainly had, he had some amazing stories about uh, that kind of thing. And I think, I think, yeah, I mean, obviously we know, we know um, circumventing rules and, and being economical with, uh, with stuff has is, is been a part of motorsport since, uh, you know, the turn, of, turn of the century, since the very first days of motorsport. It's been a thing, hasn't it? But I think his view was that because you were dealing with road cars that had to meet a certain specification and had to have paperwork to say that they were certain specification, it was, it was, a, it was a, an inviting and sometimes manufacturers felt a necessity to, you know, mm-hmm. bend things. And I think some of that bending was quite innocent. Some of that bending was shockingly not innocent. There's an incredible coffee table book we'll never ever get to read about the, all the cheats that were undiscovered, yeah. aren't there? Because no one's ever going to go on record and photos will never exist, you know. No. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a few others I've heard about that I wouldn't actually mention on the podcast for, for fear <laughs> of being contacted by an angry person, but they were there. Yeah. Um, There's so yeah. many, I've been tempted to start a red herring rumour, just like a completely <laughs> nonsensical one. Just, you know, if, if Lantier can have nitrous stuffed roll cages, then anything's on the table. <laughs> That's always the one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be like one of those games, isn't it, where you have to pick like your, your first name and then your surname is based on a, something else. Group A period cheating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how your data gets stolen. <laughs> anyway, well, Adam, thank you very much for your time, mate. I, I really no appreciate problem. it. Um, no, it's been great fun. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for having me on. No, it was a real pleasure, Adam. Uh, chatting group A is always a pleasure anyway, and especially with someone as enthusiastic as yourself. And uh, I look forward now to, to asking Carlos some really nerdy stuff, like did he stick with titanium wheel studs or go steel like people are doing with the modern cars now because they won't do titanium wheel studs. Go on, put him on the spot. Go on. Yeah. Put him on the spot yeah. as much as possible. He'll love it anyway, so... <laughs> Make sure you grab the current August issue of Evo magazine to, to read about uh, the, the impractice we've been talking about, everyone, by the way. Thanks very much again, Adam, and see you again soon. Okay, thank you. Cheerio.